Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cryptocurrent. Just one quick reminder. Cryptocurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the Cryptocurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other Cryptocurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. What's going on, everybody? For Cryptocurrent, I'm Stephen Miller, and you are watching The Aftershock, the show where we bring you the latest and greatest in the wild world of Web3. As always, I'm joined by the host of our interview series here at Cryptocurrent. He is the one and the only Richard Carthon. Richard, how we doing? What's up, y'all? Doing good. Um, man, so much happened in this last week because the world has been put on crypto thanks to the Super Bowl, and we're going to unpack a lot of that today. And so many other great goodies to bring up just in the world of crypto. But how are you doing today, Steve? You know, man, I'm doing pretty great. Um, I think the the market pulled back a little bit after the Super Bowl, but I think that's because a lot of people were trying to sell the news on it, if you will. Um, but honestly, we're going to break down all of it today. We got a lot of exciting show ahead. We've got lightning round news for you, taking you through not only the news around the world of Web3, but also some non-fungible news today. And then we're going to get into our big story, the Aftershock segment, where we bring you basically one big narrative that really came to the forefront in the past week. But before we get into it, please do me a favor. If this is your first time joining us over on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We put out new videos here Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And then also, if you would like to visit us over on your you know, preferred podcast platform of your choosing, you can always find us there same exact days with brand new content for you. Um, we love doing this content for you, but please make sure that you're getting in touch with us. You can, of course, tweet at me at Steve Miller underscore PHX. You can tweet at Richard at Richard Carthon, or you can, of course, get at us through all of our handles at the top of the screen. We're going to jump right into it, though, today. Um, again, as we said, we've got a very exciting show ahead. So let's bring up what we're talking about. Richard, you spelled it out at the very beginning. It's crypto taking over the Super Bowl along with the bigger weekly recap. But the only way that we can get into these lightning round notes is by jumping into Buy, Sell, or HODL. Buy, sell, or HODL. So in our Buy, buy Sell, or HODL segment every single week, we bring you our take on whether we have bullish, bearish, or just in the middle HODL-worthy news. And this week is no different. This week, we have a really interesting starting piece here that we needed to, you know, we felt the need to share with you. And that is that right now, more than ever before, corporations are hiring for crypto jobs. So, all of the corporations that you see on screen right now, they've all got big crypto jobs posted. So, it's not just a world where if you want to work in crypto, you have to work for a project or you have to have a startup. The big boys 
are coming to play. But that is just one quick note for you as we go into buy, sell, or hodl. But I find that bullish. In our lightning round this week, Richard, why don't you tell us about the first one? Yep. So first up, we have the FBI reclaiming 4.5 billion BTC in arrests for Bitfinex hackers. Uh, this story is an absolute mess. Um, there's a lot of videos going around of um, this lady who made a rap video, and then that was like a leading piece of like how it got discovered. It, it's a whole thing. Definitely something worth going and checking out. Yeah, these guys are fools. But at the end of the day, I mean, she at least, you know, spits bars. That's fine. Anyway, next piece. Um, last week, we got this news midweek and we actually talked about it on our Tuesday Twitter space. Um, for those of you that don't know, we have a... I'm sorry, our Thursday Twitter space. For those that don't know, we have a Thursday Twitter space that we're now doing um, at 7 p.m. Eastern time if you'd like to come and join us. But this specific story had to do with Russia concluding that the crypt- that cryptocurrency is in fact currency. So the greater um, Russian federation is right now planning on treating crypto as currency. So they're not going to be taxing it as property. Um, it's a in- very interesting development from an otherwise very um, communistically run country. So next up, um, we've got an interesting development with New York banning crypto mining. Richard, do you have any take on this? Yes, yeah, interesting that um, they're doing this right now. Um, and I think that it has a lot to do with infrastructure of, of just their, their energy grid and everything else like that. Um, but it doesn't allow for... It's just making people have to go elsewhere, looking places like Texas, looking places that have um, a little bit more area and space. And so I think this could be um, less beneficial. Yeah. But what is, what's your take on it? To me, I, I just think it's a really negative step. Um, you know, I see this as a bearish story in a lot of ways, but I also don't necessarily think that the entire crypto industry is reliant on New York City or the greater state of New York. Um, just to give a quick wrap to it, I think the only reason this goes through is because you have so many lobbyist groups from the big, um, you know, banks like on Wall Street that are advocating for New York to get rid of crypto entirely. I mean, it's already damn near impossible to um, essentially get permission to like transact with crypto on Wall Street. So so yeah, I mean, to me, I think this is kind of a ridiculous situation in New York, right? The big banks are the ones that are really causing this legislation to go through. And it's really made clear by the fact that their mayor took his first three months pay in Ethereum and Bitcoin, yet the state itself is moving to completely ban it. Yeah, it's just more reason to not be in New York for me, man. So that's my, <laughs> that's, that's my two cents on it. But this next one, I think you'll be really excited about. Yeah, man. So the Washington Nationals select UST as partner. So why is that exciting? So UST is the stablecoin of Terra. Um, and again, Terra's been this sleeping giant that we've definitely spoken on this show multiple times. And it's interesting that um, the Washington Nan- Nationals uh, decided that you would essentially be able to start making payments with UST, which is really dope. Yeah, and it, this piece actually stands out for a really big reason. And that's that 
of all the stablecoin partners they could have taken, you know, you have USDC, which is the big centralized um, stablecoin here in the States from Circle. You have Tether, which the world over uses. The thing that sets UST apart is the fact that it is a completely decentralized stablecoin. So it is running in tandem, but also like kind of push and pull in terms of overall supply with the Terra Luna coin. So I find that really interesting, but let's go ahead and forge ahead. Um, Apple has officially rolled out a peer-to-peer tap-to-pay feature. This is really, really fascinating to me. I believe it is either coming to market here shortly or it is already available. But it allows you to basically take your iPhone and go to your own peer and pay them. What they didn't necessarily realize, but we get to now have as a bigger benefit here, is they inadvertently enabled crypto payments. Here's how they did it. Technically, you have two massive players in the um, crypto debit card space right now. You have Coinbase and you have Crypto.com. If two users have those specific crypto cards, they can technically pay to um, just pay one another in crypto using this new tap to pay feature because they have the Visa cards already integrated into Apple um, Pay. So I find that pretty funny. I'm glad that we're taking that type of uh, stride forward though. So Rich, why don't we kind of run through these next two quick. So Uber's planning to accept crypto payments soon. Good for Uber. You're seeing more uh, large companies starting to take on crypto. So they're, they're, they're bullish on the long-term play of crypto. Definitely. And then finally, Polygon has officially announced that they have raised an additional $450 million led by Sequoia of India. Now for some non-fungible news. Richard, I absolutely am obsessed with this first story. So Palau, an island nation in the Pacific, has announced that they're launching dynamic NFT crypto citizenships. So that means that even though you are based here in the US, for example, you can now apply for a digital citizenship in Palau and they'll issue you an NFT identification card that you can update on the fly with your information. And you can, of course, start being a taxpaying citizen of Palau instead of you know, claiming your own residency necessarily for a business here in the United States where you'll be taxed you know, at a very high percentage. So I find that really interesting. But we got two interesting CryptoPunk pieces as well, right? Yeah, so we have 104 CryptoPunks on auction at Sotheby's, which is a really huge auction. Uh, I believe there's going to be worth 20 mil plus worth of CryptoPunks out there, which is pretty, pretty nuts, man. Yeah, we're talking 20 to 30 mil. Wild stuff. But if you thought that was crazy, what if I told you that all of those CryptoPunks were the equal value of one? I'd say you're pretty insane. There's no way. Well, one of the rarest CryptoPunks, which is the alien um, variant, was purchased for 8,000 Ethereum last week. That's $24 million. Oh my gosh. So this is actually, um, this was purchased by the same person who went out and bought the last um, mutant ape serum for um, Board Ape Yacht Club. So technically, this guy is the biggest high roller of high rollers. I don't know how you have that much Ethereum, right? Like, I mean, he's just on deck. He's right? rolling, oh he is rolling deep with Ethereum right now, which is wild. Uh, but this one is kind of an interesting piece in that it's the first step into having like actual mainstream gaming debuting NFTs in their games. And that, of course, is none other than Zynga. Zynga, as you may be familiar, is the 
um, the studio behind Words with Friends and Farmville, most notably. So their um, leadership has officially made the announcement that their NFT games will in fact start rolling out this year. So I think that's pretty neat. Um, but you will also see by the end of this year, more YouTube creators implementing NFTs and more non-fungible opportunities through their channels. And that's because YouTube has enabled those features effective pretty much immediately. Now, Richard, this is a big one that I think that there's a little bit more to that we need to kind of talk about for a sec here. And that's that Aave has announced that they're launching a Web3 social media platform called Lens. This essentially is their play at decentralizing all of social media. What do you think of this one? That's going to be a tough play, man. Um, so any social media platform is really hard to do. Um, especially trying to like make a new leg up unless there's a unique way to go about it. But there's been some other plays out there. I mean, you have like Steam it and you have like some other forms uh, that are out there um, to really get the mass adoption that a lot of these people are willing to see. You got to spend a lot of money. You got to get a lot of people and influencers advocating to go and, and create content there. But uh, I'm always optimistic about social media platform plays. What do you think? I mean, I want to be optimistic about it, but the problem is, is that to me, I think that Twitter is already going to be the lead here. You know, they're already making massive strides forward with the uh, Twitter Blue Sky initiative. And I think that they have so much of the market already they, to capture the entire crypto landscape as it continues to grow. It's their battle to, you know, lose. So I'll be interested to see the way that it develops going forward, but I am, I'm interested completely to see how this goes. In another interesting social media related piece of news, um, the brand Pear Pop came forward and introduced dynamic NFTs that will increase with, in value based on its social media virality. This is directly tied to TikTok and how you know, specific content performs as you know, viral content or just not catching on. But in TikTok's system, basically when you create content now, it is going to have the ability to be issued as an NFT. So it's interesting to me that that's going to roll out. But to round out our non-fungible news this week, we're going to bring up Assange Dow. So for those that don't know, um, Julian Assange is the founder and well was the CEO of an organization called WikiLeaks, which was known for leaking and being a whistleblower with a bunch of really private information. And he was extradited to the United States, I want to say about eight months ago or six months ago um, on charges. So he's been in prison for a hot minute. And the Assange DAO just formed in the last couple of weeks and put out an NFT drop that raised $46 million just completely on the basis of selling an NFT to fans of Julian Assange, but also from the massive NFT artist pack. So they raised a ton of money. It all is going into the organizations that are working to free Julian Assange and get him acquitted. So pretty interesting stuff there. But I think that we need to just, again, kind of run into our next segment. But before we do, Richard, I just want to give you the chance. Is there anything we need to be asking of our viewers right now? Get ready because it is time to really take a deep dive into what is the world of crypto shaping out to be in early 2022? 
is is the world starting to embrace crypto? Is it starting to reject it? Is big corporations beginning to get ready for this? I guess that's uh, something that we will really want to start to unpack here in a second. Right. Well, in that case, let's jump into the aftershock. The aftershock. So the aftershock is where we break down the big narrative of the week. And before we do, I just want to give my little call to you, our friends, whether you're listening via you know our podcast platforms or just here on YouTube, please just show us a little bit of love. Make sure you're following, subscribe, hit the like button, do all that stuff. We got to get our, our way around all of these algorithms that are working against us today. But our big topic for this week in evaluating a larger narrative is crypto marketing. Now, crypto marketing has been one of the most interesting and most talked about points of the last few weeks. And that's because so much money is being poured into it. And it's very clear that it is quickly becoming the key to greater mass adoption. So Richard, why don't you tell us a little bit about this first story that, and, and how it plays in. So the first big one here is called the Coachella Music Festival launching lifetime NFT passes and collectibles on Solana. So two things I want to... Three things I'm going to point out here. Coachella Music Festival, one of the largest festivals in the world. Um, lots of money, lots of people go to this every year. Number two, a lifetime NFT pass. So you're telling me that you have a lifetime pass to one of the biggest concerts ever that you can buy as an NFT. And then finally, on Solana. I know that we've talked about Solana. We actually broke down uh, Solana on our Aftershock last week. This is one of, another one of those indicators that even though Solana's having some challenges, they are constantly trying to elevate their game and get more people over there. So again, this is huge news and also showing that a lot of people are starting to look to other platforms outside of the Ethereum ecosystem to build NFTs on because the transaction fees and to build all this out is a lot cheaper. And, and to get to mass adoption, to get people on there, it needs to be easy and it needs to be cheap. And unfortunately right now, to get into the NFT world in Ethereum is not as cheap. Now, in terms of you know NFTs on Solana, it's worth mentioning this is not cheap, right? This is one of the most expensive NFTs that you can purchase on Solana as of right now. Um, for this yeah. specific one, which is like the base level or the base tier of the lifetime NFT pass to Coachella, the current minimum bid is $60,000. So it like this ain't going to run cheap, but at the same time, like most people when they're going to Coachella, they're spending north of like a thousand bucks, twelve hundred bucks, and this gives you access not only to Coachella, but all of their digital um, events that are going to happen in the future, as well as um, a couple of exclusive dinners and stuff like that on on premises. So I find it really interesting, but this doesn't happen unless they really do believe that through their marketing initiatives, they can get some of the diehards to really buy in. And the diehards in music are really starting to bite on crypto. So that's why they're making this move. The next piece that I find really interesting within crypto marketing is that Salesforce is telling their employees and their employees are telling their families that they are right now working on launching an NFT cloud service. Very little is known about this right now, but what I can tell is this. If Salesforce is entering the game, that means they're hiring for it. And on top of it, their marketing budget is absolutely going to start pouring into it. In fact, in the Super Bowl, there was a Salesforce ad that was specifically talking about the upcoming metaverse and how Salesforce fits into it. 
So I found that pretty interesting. But everybody is going to be touching NFTs and the metaverse at large at some point in the very near future. So to say that Salesforce is not going to be a part of that would be a bold-faced lie. Now, the next story, Rich, is a very interesting one. I, I really do think this is a key to mass adoption. And that is bring one of the top business publications into a greater crypto focus. Now, you already have Forbes Crypto out there. But Binance has invested $200 million into Forbes at large to become one of its two biggest stakeholders. Do you think that this is like essentially Binance's way of saying we're going to control the media or is there something more to it? I think there's more to it, but they are definitely going to make sure that crypto has its day in the headlines. Uh, if you want to talk about the narrative, like if you think about a trusted authority, Forbes brand carries a lot of weight. If you're published in Forbes, if you're a Forbes colonist, et cetera, people used to put that in their handles. They probably still do. Then there's email signatures and whatnot. So you're telling me this gigantic crypto hub is now the one of two largest shareholders. You got to believe they're going to influence and be like, hey, we want to see a little bit more crypto time on your post. So look out for that. So again, just another indicator that mass adoption is going to keep slowly coming this way and it's being powered through marketing. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing here is that it just by this investment, Binance is making sure that crypto is normalized because Forbes's readership, it's not all like they're all crypto, you know, advocates or they're all in crypto right now. A lot of those people are currently just invested in the traditional finance system. So yeah, it's pretty safe to say that like by creating more visibility, we're going to start seeing more and more people rush into crypto. Our last story on the note of marketing is very interesting. And I, I don't necessarily think it's big for crypto immediately, but I think it's big for crypto in the long term. Because one of the things that I find myself thinking about most is how, how we can get more of the traditional finance system to bridge over into crypto and how we can make that a seamless experience. FTX just announced for their US branch that they're going to open up a wait list for stock trading via FTX. So they're going to open up the ability for you to create an account. And if you're comfortable with stock trading, you can start trading stocks right there in the FTX US app. Then for convenience sake, you're going to have crypto as an added element. So you can truly invest in both in one place. I think it's really powerful. I think it's the next evolution of personal and family investing. But I think that that's just the tip of the iceberg as we started to see with everything that came out during the Super Bowl. So for those that don't know, the Super Bowl was played just a, just a couple of days ago. And in the Super Bowl, a lot happened. Namely, the Bengals blew it. But beside that, you had crypto exchanges spending $6.5 million on Super Bowl ads. And we're going to break some of this down for you. The first really big one that came on screen and kind of blew a lot of people's minds was that of Coinbase. So Rich, tell me a little bit about this. Did you, and what was your experience? So watching the Super Bowl, all of a sudden, you just see a QR code that was going across the screen. So think about like an old uh, computer screensaver where you have like something that's like going across left, right, bouncing around. And it was literally a QR code just doing that, changing colors every so often for like a solid minute. And I knew as soon as this was on, I was like, this is absolutely a crypto commercial. 
Turns out it was Coinbase. Now, so many people download or, or open this QR code that Coinbase's app um, shot from 186 to number two in the app store and also made the app crash because they couldn't handle so many people coming all in at once. And this alone shows the power of marketing. Yeah, and again, to just show the fact that it, it jumped from the 186th position in the app store to number two is wild. So when this originally hit the screen, what people didn't realize, and I had to read about after the fact, is there were actually two commercial spots for this. It was, But the first one wasn't the QR code. The first one was actually just Coinbase's logo. And to me, this is very reminiscent of like what a DVD player would do back in the day when like it timed out. You just have like the little DVD um, logo bouncing around the screen as a screensaver and changing colors whenever it made contact. This was the same exact thing. But when the second one came around for the QR code, I mean, I was the one that was scrambling in the room. I had to run across the room to get my phone, be like, holy crap, I hope this doesn't time out at 30 seconds. But when you got there, it was just like, our servers have not been able to pull up the app. Please try again soon. But the entire thing was driven around participation in this big multi-million dollar crypto giveaway. So Coinbase actually is planning on giving away a total of $3 million in Bitcoin to three people. So if you went through this link and you entered into the giveaway, they're going to be giving away $3 million in crypto to get some people um, a little bit more paid this Super Bowl season. Next up, we have the FTX commercial spot. I don't know about you, but to me, like this was the best one. Um, yeah, not far. It was brilliant. So FTX basically used this as an opportunity to show how to not invest in crypto and how to essentially treat the timing and treat this technological revolution as what it is, a revolution. So the, the commercial took you through um, with Larry David, um, who's insanely popular actor, um, has been in a number of different phenomenal, phenomenal cult classic comedies. But in the commercial, it showed Larry David basically playing characters throughout history. And he was, in every single instance, dismissing life-changing technology. So like he went on to oppose the wheel, electricity, the toilet, the Declaration of Independence, the moon landing, portable music. And basically just proving the fact that all of these things eventually were an inevitability. And had you actually taken the opportunity to invest at the immediate point when that opportunity came up, you would have been absolutely filthy rich. In this case, the commercial closes with Larry David dismissing the FTX app and dismissing cryptocurrency at large. I loved it. It was sarcastic as hell. Larry David's funny. He crushed it in every single little, you know, different capacity. I mean, on screen right now, on if you're joining us on YouTube, he's um, posed as um, Isaac Newton like talking about the invention of the light bulb. I thought that was priceless. But I think this is going to have a lot more positive of an effect, um, especially because they're also going to be giving away Bitcoin tied to this one as well. Um, any final thoughts on the FTX commercial? Yes, got to make one quick correction. Thomas Edison. But more importantly, this commercial, go look it up. This was hilarious. It was so spot on. And it like perfectly captured 
how I feel when people are telling me that crypto is a fad because there's still plenty of people who say that crypto is a fad and it's not going to last long. Like I'm going to literally just start sending them this this video. This is so perfect. <laughs> so tell me real quick, what the hell did I say? Because I thought I said Thomas Edison. You said Isaac Newton. <laughs> well, it goes to show that I have not slept much in the last three days. Anyway, um, but I think this is actually a really interesting point here because there were a couple other crypto commercials, but I think these first two are the ones that had the most impact. And the reason I say that is because the next one, Crypto.com, I think it fell flat and it was because they were trying to be dramatic. Yeah. It, like, it, it should almost be in a how-to manual, like how to do a, a Super Bowl commercial. It's got to be funny. Right, or it's got to be giving away three million dollars in Bitcoin. Like that's that's the truth. It featured LeBron James. It was just very cut and dry, dramatic, uh, really leaning into um, their ongoing saying in the Matt Damon commercials of "Fortune favors the brave," and we get it. Fortune favors the brave, but give us a reason to go to Crypto.com. But I will say, what was cool about it? They used CGI. It was like young LeBron. Um, in high school, talking to himself current day. Um, so it was like really cool, like how they like used the technology for both LeBrons to be talking to each other. But it, as cool as it was, it kind of missed the mark around like why it's, should someone be driving to crypto? Um, I think they tried to get there, but they were trying to be a little too clever. Is that fair? I would say it's fair. I just, I, I really think that it landed flat. And that, that's, that to me is a missed opportunity, but... It's not like people were getting up and leaving watching this commercial. Like they were still forced to sit there and watch because they didn't want to miss the next one. So I think that crypto at large got in front of a lot of eyes. That's made even further apparent by the last two. So eToro, for those that don't know, is a social investing app, kind of akin to Robinhood, just, I guess, less morally and ethically conflicted. I personally hate eToro. I hate Robinhood. I don't like either of them. But they were really, like really cool. I'm, that's what I'm here to do, man. This is an opinion show. Etoro really leaned into this idea of like, oh, you can do crypto and stocks with us. And then they would like throw in a cryptoism at the very end of like, you know, when moon, going to the moon, to the moon. And I'm just like, guys, you're trying too hard. A um, little, little bit tough. And then the last one was Bud Light's commercial. It, I swear to God, this went over everybody's head except for the people that are in the NFT world. They worked in the like the glasses trait from the nouns project into the into the commercial pretty seamlessly. And every NFT fan out there that I know of made comment on it on Twitter and like just freaked out about it like kids for a second. But to see that you've got everything from traditional cryptocurrencies to NFTs making their play here at the Super Bowl, it shows that on the world's biggest commercial stage. Not only are the big, the big, um, big media outlets like NBC, Fox, ABC, whoever it was that was actually putting on the Super Bowl, they're now willing to accept crypto advertisers to come into the fold and put that content in front of the American public and individuals who tune in from around the world. That is a moment in history that you cannot shortchange because we've never had that many eyes on crypto at one immediate time. So to me, I think that is 
arguably going to be one of the biggest catalysts of moving people into crypto as new adopters during the 2020s. What do you think about it all? Because I think that there's a lot, of, a lot that we can unpack from this. When you want to see what's next in a industry, you look at where is the money being spent, where are the marketing dollars going, who's, and 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 why is someone spending so much money to get people to pay attention? Those four main crypto exchanges, we're talking Coinbase, FTX.com, um, eToro, and uh, Crypto.com are spending an ungodly amount of money uh, to be on arenas, to be in commercials, to be on jerseys, to let the world know that they exist. And now people are starting to pay attention. They're starting to download. They're starting to look at it. And eventually, as people start to get in a little bit more and people start making a little bit of money, you start seeing people starting to, the next generation or even some of the older generation who has money, instead of going into regular stock market or going to some of the other places, they're like, I'm going to start putting money over here. I'm going to start figuring out these NFT things. I'm going to start doing all of this because that's where the world is going, Web3, et cetera. And I think they're slowly instead of trying to overwhelm you with all of this information, they're just trying to be relevant for enough for you to eventually get curious and start to go down the rabbit hole. And I think that is super cool. And again, I, I want to go back to FTX's commercial just one more time because it really helped basically anybody that watches that video click and be like, huh, maybe I should pay attention to this. It makes you question yourself of, hmm, maybe I should look into this thing. And that's that's that kind of narrative and that kind of opportunity in just front and center of your mind is what I think is going to keep driving more mass adoption. But wait, where do you see it at? I think you said it and you nailed you like you really hit the nail on the head um, right at the beginning of what you were saying. And that's that today attention dominates everything. Like the only way that we're going to get more people into crypto is by dominating public attention. It has to be on people's minds. It can't be passive anymore. It can't be you telling your grandmother at Thanksgiving dinner that you know, you're making a killing in Bitcoin. That's not going to do it anymore. We have to have broader crypto advertising. We have to have you know, Coinbase, Crypto.com, FTX, all on stadiums across the United States and across other arenas around the world for not just you know, soccer slash football, whichever you choose to call it, but also for rugby and for cricket. Like it's, it needs to be everywhere and it's slowly starting to make its way in. I mean, we already know it's an F1 racing, like, and that's a massive, massive sport, very global. So to me, I think that we are right now watching marketing for these bigger centralized crypto companies become the catalyst that's going to drive us as an industry forward. So I'm, I'm in love with it. I think it's fantastic. And I really do think that like we're about to have our mass adoption moment. I think it's just a matter of time now. I think that it, like we're really kind of like two minutes to midnight, if you will. So to me, I think that's really exciting. But we want to know what you think at home. If you think that we're on the path to mass adoption, or if you think this is a massive um, turning point for the crypto industry at large, let us know in the comments here on YouTube. Of course, feel free to get at Richard or I on Twitter. We'd love to talk to you and engage with you in this greater narrative about what's going on in the world of crypto right now. As I mentioned at the top of the show, 
please feel free to join us on Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time over on Twitter, where we're going to be hosting another edition of our Twitter spaces, NF Thursday. Um, We also have some other exciting content coming up this week. So just um, on Monday, Richard, you sat down with James Key from Autonomy Network. Um, Weren't you guys talking about automating smart contracts? Absolutely. And he has a really cool process in place that's going to allow people to be able to make some really, really, really cool um, businesses and opportunities out there. So if you're looking to make some really cool stuff and be able to build on blockchain, go check out. So go check them and out. And then, of course, coming up on Friday, we have longtime friend of the show, Sean Stein-Smith, back for another edition of talking all about accounting for your crypto. Um, Richard, any thoughts that you'd like to share with the audience on that episode? If you have done anything in crypto remotely in the last forever in your lifetime and you have not filed any taxes, you need to go listen to this episode and you need to start to prepare a game plan for how to handle this. Just trust me, check out the episode, listen up and start to figure out how you can take care of your crypto. This is your get right moment. Um, But if I can encourage you to have one final crypto moment this week, do me a favor. Go online, search out Gary V's interview that he just did with, I want to say it was MSNBC or um, it may have been NBC News. It was one of the funniest interviews I've ever seen. He had this absolute shit-eating grin on his face the entire time. He was smirking hard because the, the interviewer was just trying to vilify crypto and he pretty much debunked everything she said within a matter of seconds. It was absolutely beautiful and I think it's a great way to allow yourself a little bit of a step further down the rabbit hole within the wild world of Web3 this week. But hey, we appreciate you being here. We want to um, hopefully have you back next week for another edition of this Aftershock show where we bring you the latest and greatest from the wild world of Web3. I've been Stephen Miller. He's been Richard Carthon. And we hope that you will come back and see us. And until then, do us a solid. Stay cryptocurrent. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.